All right. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream, where today we are, it is a Monday, and on Mondays, as you know, it is a day we cover the Shama'il of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we are really almost done with the book today. Today we probably will finish it, and then we will turn to reading Sayyid Muhammad Alwi al-Maliki's Muhammad al-Insanid Kamil. Right? Yeah. Um, amazing work that uh, gives us the uh, another look at the Shema'il of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Next, uh, the hadith that we're on is Babu Maja'a fi ru'yati Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fil manam. The vision of the Prophet, peace be upon him, in sleep. Haddathana Muhammad ibn Bashar, Haddathana Abdul Rahman ibn Mahdi, Haddathana Sufyan, An Abi Ishaq, An Abi Al Ahwas, An Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, An in Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Kala, Man Ra'ani fil manam, Fakad Ra'ani, Fa'inna shaytana la yatamathalubi. The shaitan cannot, does not, will not, is unable to imitate the image of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's just how it is. That's how simple it is. Uh, how or why? Well, shaitan, because we don't see them, does not mean they're like infallible, as some people imagine, or like uh, 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 they could do everything, right? Like omnipotent or something like that. They have limits, they have great limits. Okay, let's look at some of these uh, commentaries. We'll read the commentary at the end, but we'll read the hadith first. Okay. Haddathana Muhammad ibn Bashar wa Muhammad ibn Muthanna qala haddathana Muhammad ibn Ja'far haddathana Shu'ab an Abi Hasinin an Abi Salihin an Abi Hurayrata radiyallahu anhu qala qala sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam Man ra'ani fil manam faqad ra'ani fa inna shaytana la yatasawwaru aw la yatashabbahu bi He does not shaytan does not take my image whoever sees me in his sleep has sees has seen me in the truth Okay Man ra'ani fil manam faqad ra'ani you have seen me in fa inna shaytana la yatamathalu bi Because there are certain things that the sources of religion can have no doubts in them the foundations can have no doubts you can have doubts about uh, did we build the first floor right, the second floor right? You can't have doubts on the foundation. This is why the Prophet ﷺ is masum, and this is why the Sahaba are are given testimony in the Quran itself. Right, the Quran itself gives testimony to the to the uprightness of the companions. So that's why the we don't have to. We never, you never investigate. Right, the Sahaba, the Sahaba are not to be investigated. Like, are they trustworthy? Can, can we believe them? All that. That does not apply to the companions. Because Allah Ta'ala himself gave their, his shahada for them. Established them as being upright. Haddathana Qutayb ibn Sa'idin. Haddathana Khalaf ibn Khalifata an Abi Malikin al-Ashja'i an Abihi qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallama man ra'ani fil manami faqad ra'ani. There is no stipulation and no limitation as some people try to imagine that only the Sahaba would see visions of the Prophet. What would be the benefit of that? How like, the, what is the purpose of visions of the Prophet? Is connect the people who didn't see the Prophet to the Messenger, peace be upon him. That's the purpose, right? So for them to say, oh, only the and some people say this, which is an absurd statement, and it's almost like 
they nev- they've never seen it in their circles. They never heard it from their shiuch. They've never seen that their shiuch saw the Prophet So they in turn then say, well, it's not really a thing. And only the Sahaba. Especially when you come upon another hadith, which is not, I don't believe, is, is listed here. Okay. No, it's not here. Whoever see me in sleep, it will see me in the wake. Okay. They said, no, it's only the Sahaba. No. Which said that person didn't understand even what a wakeful vision is. A wakeful vision is nothing different than a vision. Except the fact that your heart is strong enough to project it or to receive it while you're awake. That's it. Imam al-Ghazali easily explains it. قال أبو عيسى وأبو مالك هذا هو سعد بن طارق بن أشيم وطارق بن أشيم هو من أصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وقد روى عن النبي صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم أحاديث meaning many أحاديث قال أبو عيسى وسمعت علي بن حجر يقول قال خلف بن خليفة رأيت عمر بن حريث صاحب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وأنا غلام صغير وحدثني قتيب بن سعيد حدثنا عبد الواحد بن زياد عن عاصم بن كليب قال حدثني أبي أنه سمع أبا هريرة يقول قال صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم من رآني في المنام فقد رآني فإن الشيطان لا يتمثل بي same exact hadith next one says إن الشيطان لا يستطيع أن يتشبه بي shaitan has limits okay. one thing shaitan cannot do is come in an image of the Prophet. Shaitan cannot do tajalli from the Quran either. This is one of the most powerful that Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq, when he had an affair, a, a matter that was important, he would sit down, he would recite Quran until the answer would, it would appear to him, like what he was looking for. And it wouldn't appear to him because he's thinking and examining. It would just, it's as if the ayah just pops out at you. And it's like the Quran is talking to you. And so, Shaitan cannot do tajalli bil Quran, right? He does not come in the form of the Quran, which is also why, like, uh, this is actually stuff that's very important. Anyone who goes, who has any spiritual inclination, you have to study this stuff. You have to understand this stuff so that you know where Shaitan could fool you and where he can't. He can fool you in different types of dreams, but he cannot come in the form of the divine of the heavenly dream. The heavenly vision comes in the form that is symbolic. Shaitan cannot come in a symbolic form. When he comes in a form, in a dream, he comes in a scary dream. So people have to understand the limits of shaitan. Some people really imagine because we can't see him, he could take forms. But can he take any form? He can't take any form. Okay? He can't take the form of the Prophet. What is the easiest form that they take? The form of the black dog. Okay? And there was the amazing story where a guy in America, he said that he was a murderer and he was a serial killer. And his defense was that a black dog with three white dots on its forehead, like three parts were white on the forehead, was literally talking to him and telling him to kill, kill, kill. So it's not like he would hear the dog talk, but the dog would come to him and then he would hear like voices in his head at the same time. So of course they gave him that was an insanity plea, and then the judge I don't know if he accepted it or not. But he was he was a serial killer. Well, Bilal Phillips is reading a, a fatwa on Ibn Taymiyyah by Ibn Taymiyyah, where Ibn Taymiyyah 
received a question from a judge in which a man who committed many murders in their time, living at the time of Ibn Saymiyyah, tells the judge, there is a black dog with three white dots telling me what to do. And he's asking Ibn Taymiyyah, do I accept this or not? Of course, Ibn Taymiyyah says, no, it's like, it's not going to enter our, our courts, right? But centuries later, that black dog with three white dots appears again. finish it (laughs) so one of the images that shaitan likes to take us is that right Uh, okay what's that yeah and say every but does take the black dog now here's this check this out what form does the muslim snake take the Muslim jinn take? The snake. Yeah. You'd think a snake is a bad thing. But a Muslim snake, uh, a Muslim jinn takes the forms of snakes. So I, one time they came upon Abdul Qadr Jailani and found a big snake wrapping around him. So they went and got axes. They said, leave it. This is one of our companions. So we don't like snakes, right? We don't, we don't set the rules here, right? This is how Allah created things. That's it. He takes a form of the black dog, in some cases... When they're Muslims, they take the form of the snake. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, and we take this on faith, and if someone comes and says, tries to make you like be ridiculous, okay, listen, there's a lot of things that I think are ridiculous about you. You're not so immune yourself. If I want to dig into your life, I could probably find a lot of things that are absurd. The you, for you to find something that is in our tradition to be, in our belief, is we believe the Prophet, peace be upon him, if those words are transmitted properly. And he said... If you find a snake in your house, and like the snake is not harming you, it's just sitting there in the basement somewhere. Ask it to leave for three days in a row. On the third day, you either trap it or you kill it. Okay, like trap it and take it out or kill it. Okay, no, he said kill it. Prophet said kill it. Right. So for three days, you take his permission to leave. Now it's not harming you, so you know it's not. It's it's not a malevolent snake. So what are people going to do about that? They're going to say, no, 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 I don't believe the Prophet, peace be upon him. I'm going to say, if that was to happen, I'm going to believe the Prophet's eyes on There's no mention of cats except in the good. No mention of the black cat. One time I was sitting out yeah. in the park pretty late at night with a friend. And my friend like, looks over at the football field, mm. and they're like, yo, there's a lady over there. And when I look over, it's just a cat. Wow, And we just dipped. <laughs> wow, we just get out of here, man. Yeah. SubhanAllah. I told you guys that story about uh, Ramadan one time and Eid, right? Uh, oh, man, this was subhanAllah. These just gin stories. Yeah. I guess we just turned into that. But uh, we, you know that we, we, have the, we believe the shaitans are trapped in Ramadan. But we don't know how they're trapped. Like, what does that mean, they're trapped? So uh, these two British guys, they, one, they told me the story one time. Not them, but their friend. That these two British guys are going for the last iftar of Ramadan next day is Eid the 30th iftar of Ramadan they're going to a friend's house they're on the way Maghrib comes in they see a woman dry, uh, walking in the street she looks terrible she looks miserable they're like alright ma'am where are you going hop in we'll take you the woman hops in it's an old lady but they look down and she's got really like almost like furry hair feet 
right? And she looks like homeless. She looks so miserable. But then when they talk to her, it's got a voice of a man. They were like freaked out, right? So they just drove a little bit and they said, all right, man, all right, this is where we're going to turn off here. So that was the house where they were going to have the iftar. While they're having the iftar, they forgot about the woman. They just got a little bit freaked out. They forgot about the woman, right? Next morning, the, the guy whose house it was says, oh, I forgot to tell you part. Um, the woman says, what freaked them out, says, woman said, I'm going to get some revenge. And they're like, oh, this is messed up. We released her, right? Next morning, the owner of that house found a dead fox in his backyard. Dead. Foxes don't get killed by anything, right? There's no animal out there in the world that kills foxes. This is a dead fox, right? And so um, they theorized. They theorized that the jinn was trapped into the body of a rabbit. And the fox was trying to eat the rabbit, right? Fox is being a fox, trying to eat food, right? Trying to eat, eat a rabbit. And, and then that jinn came out, that rabbit came out, okay, at the end of Ramadan, out of the body of the rabbit, and then went and got revenge on the fox for bothering it this whole time. This, you can make, I mean, that is just, these are just stories. Don't quote me on this stuff. But it's just stories, but who knows? Because we don't know how they're trapped, right? Do we know how they're trapped? They may be trapped in anything. We don't know. Next. قَالَ إِبْنَ عَبَّاسِ لَوْ رَأَيْتَهُ فِي الْيَقَدَ فِي الْيَقَدَ Listen to this. هَلْ تَسْتَطِيعُ أَنْ تَنْعَتَ هَذَا الرَّجُلَ الَّذِي رَأَيْتَهُ فِي النَّوْمِ قَالَ نَعَمْ This is to Ibn Abbas. A man is saying to Ibn Abbas. Okay? Let me read the whole story for you. حدثنا عوف بن جميل عن يزيد الفارسي وكان يكتب المصاحف قال رأيت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في المنام زمن ابن عباس During the time that Ibn Abbas was still alive I saw the Prophet So I said to Ibn Abbas إني رأيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في النوم Ibn Abbas said إن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said إن الشيطان لا يستطيع أن يتشبه بي هل تستطيع أن تنعت هذا الرجل الذي رأيته في النوم Can you describe him? He said yes قَالَ أَنْعَتُ لَكَ رَجُلًا بَيْنَ الرَّجُلَيْنَ He's a man between two, two men, meaning he's ex- between two. I'll tell you what he's not. He's not this and he's not that. جِسْمُهُ وَلَحْمُهُ أَسْمَرُ إِلَى الْأَبْيَضِ He is from the uh, tan people, but towards the white. So he's not white, not black, but he's tan, but closer to the white. أَسْمَرْ إِلَى الْأَبْيَضِ Okay? أكحل العينين. He has kuhl on his two, uh, 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 on his eyes. This is a sunnah that's been stolen to, from us by the Qamilut. حسن الضحك. People will look good in it, right? It's a beauty for a man to have kuhl. Prophet used to wear it. He was light. He had it. His eyes had those marks of kuhl even when he didn't wear it. Like he was naturally looked like that. But he did wear it too before he slept. حسن الضحك. He's modest and beautiful in his smile. Always smiling. Jamilu dawa'ir al-waj. His face has a beautiful shape. Not, his face is not like a round, skinny face. Okay. Qad mala'at 
Nahrahu Qal So basically This area His Nahr The beard is filling it Prophet did not have A thin beard like this He Nor is it down to the belly It was round to the neck Right So Qal Awf Wala adri ma kana ma hadha nat Okay And I don't know what else was with this Faqala Ibn Abbas Law ra'aytahu fil yaqadha Mastatata an tan'atahu fawqa hadha said if you had seen the prophet while you were while in the wake you would not have been able to give a more perfect description than this qala abu isa no abu isa was one of the tabi'in he was a quran writer a scribe yazid al farisi hadha yazid ibn hurmuz wa huwa aqdam min yazid al raqashi wa rawa yazid ibn al farisi an ibn abbas an hadith wa yazid al raqashi لم يدرك ابن عباس وهو يزيد ابن أبان الرقاشي وهو يروي عن نسن ابن مالك. Okay. Next حديث. قال أبو سلمة قال أبو قتادة من رأني يعني في النوم فقد رأني الحق. What's the point? فقد رأى الحق. What's the point? He's given you all the different Sahaba who transmitted this. So you know this is not a an an ahad hadith. Okay. من رأني في المنام فقد رأني this is from Anas. فَإِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَا يَتَخَيَّلُ بِي So he says, تَخَيُّلْ تَشَبَّهُ يَسْتَطِيعُ أَنْ يَتَشَبَّهُ يَتَمَثَّلُ So he said it multiple times. Okay? He said this hadith in different gatherings. فَإِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَا يَتَخَيَّلُ بِي وَرُؤْيَا الْمُؤْمِنِ جُزْءٌ مِنْ سِتَّةٍ وَأَرْبَعِينَ جُزْءٌ مِنَ النُّبُوَّةِ The vision of the believer is one out of 46 parts of Nubuwah. Why is that? Because Firstly, what does it mean by nubuwa? Means that it is news from the unseen. It is inf- something from Allah directly to you. That's what nubuwa is. Okay, it doesn't come through transmission. It doesn't come through observation or from reason. Directly from Allah. Okay, and why one out of forty-six? Because for six months, the first six months of nubuwa, there was no wahi. There was just dreams. The first six months. So six months divided over 23 years is one out of 46, right? Yeah, that's why the Prophet said it's 146. The Prophet continued to get dreams uh, after that, but it was only dreams for six months. And that's where half over 23, mathematically, is one out of 46. Okay. The next hadith says, قَالَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنِ الْمُبَارَكِ إِذَا بْتُلِيتَ بِالْقَضَاءِ فَعَلَيْكَ بِالْأَثَرِ ومحمد بن علي حدثنا النضر ابن شميل أنبأنا ابن عون عن ابن سيرين ابن سيرين ممنوع من الصرف قال هذا الحديث دين فانظروا عمن تأخذون دينكم What are the facts of a dream? Is is it something real or is it some type of thought? And again, many people don't really believe in these things at all but if you're a Muslim, well, you have to. So what you don't believe in is the messed up dream. If you have big suhoors, many people have a heavy suhoor. I think it's pretty late in the game now, but you train yourself to fast a lot so that your body doesn't need to be in shock and doesn't need a heavy, heavy suhoor, and then you can't do anything in the day. You end up becoming really unhealthy. The fast will make you healthy. Fast is healthy when you know that you can fast without a massive suhoor. And that you can actually take action in the day. You could walk in the day. You could be active in the day. That's where the fast is healthy. It's not healthy just sit around and sleep all day. 
and just be lazy all day. That's not, that's, it's actually really, really bad for you. And then sleep a lot and then eat a lot in the night. This is really unhealthy. So there are lengthy deliberations on this matter. We, we talked about this a lot, but we always repeat things because sometimes uh, there are new people. The Greek Hakims claim that whatever type of mixture is overwhelmed in the nature of a person, one has thoughts according to it. That's correct. But that's only the description of one thing that happens to all humans. All human beings will have some kind of mix-up dream. I'm sure all human beings will be bothered by Iblis at one point and have a nightmare. Having a nightmare is normal. But having a true dream is more rare. But amongst the pious, it's common. Right, which helps you know that you're not going crazy. Okay. Now, the one thing that the psychologists haven't been able, and the and all the shrinks haven't been able to philosophize on, is how would somebody have a dream about the future, and then that future thing happens. So, if it's one thing that, oh, you're just you're seeing something that is a reflection of your psyche, which is what Freud said, something buried deep inside you, and you're just seeing it in a dream. All right, that makes sense to a degree. What about things that reveal the future? How does that work? How does my knowledge, how does my, even my mind, my, it doesn't apply to anything, right? Intuition to us, all of it is, it's, it's a type of something that Allah gives a person, right? Or it's something that there are signs of it that are so fine that you can't exactly tell why I believe this. And then it happens. And that's what Malcolm Gladwell wrote his book, Blink, about. Where, the signs of something are so fine that your mind can't even register it, but your gut registers it. And that's where they get like old people. They'll look at a scene that we're looking at too as, as youth and they will see something totally different. They'll see, okay, that one has a future. And we're like, how would you know that, right? No, this, this kid is the one who has the future, right? And then someone who looks like they have a future say, this one's a bum, right? And they turn out to be right. But that's not, that's not knowing the future. That's, for, that's a level of forecasting and sign reading that's at another level. And we call that firasa in Islam. It's called firasa. But this, no, these dreams of the future are things that are, aren't even close. They can't be, have been interpreted uh, through firasa. Okay. They say whoever has yellow bile, a lot of yellow bile, they'll see um, dreams of bad things or the sky or things that are ethereal like flying or fire. Then they say that if you have a lot of black bile, you'll see, you know, different types of dreams. Whatever. It's just they're, th- they're theorizing about why people had dreams. What do we care about the Yunani's? Why is this even in the book, right? Uh, according to the Ahlul Sunnah, these are all imaginations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, right? It's just, you're just uh, aiming at the dark, right? You're just uh, throwing darts in the dark. Okay? Allah Ta'ala creates them in the mind of, creates uh, dreams in the mind of man. They're just a reflection of his thoughts, okay? And they're such mixed up thoughts that every single one of them is something you know, but it doesn't belong together, okay? Like the junk drawer. Everyone's got a drunk drawer in the kitchen, right? In your house, you got a drunk drawer in the kitchen. You got to have a drunk drawer in the kitchen. Do you? Okay, 
So the, that this drawer is just like anything that just happens to be in your hand. It's not garbage, but I don't know where to place it. Yeah. Just put it there. Right? Miscellaneous. Yeah, miscellaneous drawer. Everyone's got this. So those dreams are Ru'yat and Nafs. Okay. And sometimes they, they could have a, a sound image to it. In other words, m- image of myself marrying the woman of my dreams. Yeah, that's just you thought about that so much, right? It came up as a normal image right but that's not a, a dream from allah the dreams from allah are all symbols they're they're they're, they're a lot of food symbols for example example right right so fruits in dreams are almost always good dreams almost always and fruit is your choice eating chicken is uh, that you will attain your desires, right? Eating bird, eating any bird, right? This is in general, not in every specific one. Why? Because the Quran says, and the fruits of which you choose and the foul meat which you desire. So that's why eating these things in visions, in dream, in the dream language of, uh, in dream language is good. It's a good sign. And the more rare, the more fine the fruit too. The more perfect it looks, the better the choice. All right, so now the malaika are the ones who transmit these meanings uh, to the dreamer. Again, the greatest and the only type of vision that a Muslim should really seek out is the vision of a messenger of Allah wasallam. That is one that you can be absolutely certain is haqq. So that's the that that is a quick summary again on the matter of dreams. Three types. The true one is short, tends to be short and symbolic. Okay. What about animals? What about rabid animals? What about the bad types of animals, such as dogs, snakes, any rabid animal? That's probably either a very bad man or it's your a bear. A bear can be a bad man, right? But a um, a dog attacking you could be your own nafs, the sins of your nafs. Like your nafs is... A snake would be a sneaky person that's close to you in your family or your relative. The snake is bad to see in the dream, right? The snake is interpreted as that, as something that is someone close to you. You see them regularly, you talk to them, but they're harboring different beliefs. They're harboring different motives towards you, okay? So you want to be, especially if it's in your bedroom, then it's in your family, like very close, right? So, but um, if you see yourself killing them, that's bil bidhikr, what of awrad. The awrad are protections from these types of people that you can't see. Why do we recite awrad? Because we can't see all the harm, right? You can't see what's going on in the hearts of people in, around you. The awrad have to protect you. That's why people who are, are naive when they say, I can do this stuff myself. We don't need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, you can't control the weather. You can't control other people driving, right? You can't control the heart of even anyone near you. You can't even try your own body. You, you've never seen your your digestive tract. You've never seen it. You haven't even. You don't even know how it works, right? All of a sudden, people just they get sick. Where does that come from? Let's look at some commentary. Allah has protected the Prophet ﷺ from shaitan in his lifetime. He will also protect him in his death so that 
the message of Islam will not be distorted. And the message of the Prophet ﷺ continues, obviously not the Sharia, that doesn't continue, except if you want to talk about the realm of fatwa, which is a continuation of the Sharia by human beings, if you think about it. Because fatwa, um, they're never binding, but we do live by them. So it's deen, in the sense that we live by them. We live by acting upon these fatwa or not. Okay. Yes. Doves? Doves are always good. Doves are good. Yeah. The doves, the ants, the even the spider webs, they have good connotations for us, right? Spider web people think that uh, it's a bad thing, but it's not always a bad thing. It's not always a bad thing. Unless someone, uh, you were talking about a snake and someone killing a snake in your dream. Yes. That someone uh, earlier actually said the same exact thing. Subhanallah. Uh, what they said? Melody said that um, she saw or he uh, saw a silver snake in the dream coming out of a hole that attacks you, but then, or her, or him. But someone tall came and cut the head of the snake off. Subhanallah. That's someone um, maybe close to that family that um, gave some sadaqah or did some afkar or somehow other way protected you from it. That's, that's a good thing. But we're not going to open up to dream interpretation here. It, that requires some special people. Okay. If a person, he says here, that Prophet ﷺ was protected from shaitan. Okay. If a person is sitting a little away from a mirror, another person who is also at a distance can see the image of the person in the mirror. But due to some obstruction, one cannot see the actual person. The Prophet ﷺ is seen in both ways. Okay. Some people actually see Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ and some merely see his image. So, if you see the image of someone in a mirror, you see a dream of the Prophet, that's like seeing his image in a mirror. Okay? And those who saw the Prophet ﷺ in the flesh, it's like seeing the Prophet directly. Okay? A question may arise that different people in different towns and different countries see the Messenger ﷺ at the same moment. How can the Prophet, peace be upon him, be present at different places in one moment? This view carries no weight because it is not necessary that if many people see him at one time or one moment that he's present everywhere because this is there's no physicality to this it is possible that different people see him at one place it is like the sun which is in one place and many people see it from many towns which is from a distance right very smart analogy also whatever color of spectacles are worn red green etc to the sun the sun will appear different to those people okay beautiful Yes. Yeah. And yeah. And in a sense too that there's uh there, there are no physical limits once you pass away. The powers that you have and what why do why do we perceive the time to be you know uh of the the barzakhi time to our time. It doesn't have to be like that. We know that one day in the barzakh is 500 of our years here. Right? Subhanallah. So, it is related in some ahadith that the chest and the portion above the Prophet ﷺ's chest and up was like Al-Hasan, but down below was like Al-Hussein. His legs, in other words. Okay. The Prophet is confirming to the companions and those who follow them that when you see me in a dream, it is a true dream. 
Hafid ibn Hajar al-Asqalani writes a lengthy treatise in, uh, in his commentary on Bukhari, and he mentions the sayings of many ulama. He was himself a dream interpreter. The author of At-Tibriz also wrote in detail on the subject. Mullah al-Qari writes about this subject. Okay? And this is Ilm al-Nubuwa, they call it. The Ulum al-Nubuwa is particular only to the Anbiya. Therefore, it should be regarded as something unique to them. In brief, it is sufficient to know that a good and blessed dream is a glad tiding and a portion from the portions of Nubuwa, meaning news about the unseen that could not have possibly been attained by the common methods we have today. This is enough for his nobility, greatness, and blessedness. Only a Nabi can know correctly if it is a 46th part of Nubuwa and he is the only one who can correctly understand how and what this 46th portion is. The discussion of seeing Sayyidina Rasulullah in a dream ends here. Imam Tirmidhi ends his kitab by including two athar, which in reality are advices and also important warnings. The first is that one should not guess and give rulings about anything. The basis of the deen should be in following, following the Prophet So that's why Abdullah ibn Mubarak says, if you get confused by a matter, just go back to the hadith. Go back to the narrations. Okay? The second is the verdict of any ordinary person should not be accepted. Okay? The non-specialists in religious knowledge, their statements are not to be followed. The object here is that one should not follow one's your own view on a matter. Do not rely on your own way of thinking because you're limited. You have biases. You have vulnerabilities. Okay, you have um, leanings. Then that's the general advice of Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak. In, all, in respect of all verdicts, whether it refers to the verdicts of justice or otherwise, okay, go with that which is firmly established. Okay, this is the view of the commentators of Shemad. According to this humble servant, this may have a special relation to this chapter. The interpretation of a dream is also a verdict. You know that we do is a fatwa. It's a verdict, right? It's you're saying what Allah said. That's what you're saying. And a mufti is a muwakkir an Allah. That's why Imam Ibn Al Qayyim has a book called I'lam Al Muwakkirin. People usually say I'lam Al Muqirin, but it's not I'lam Al Muwakkirin. The biographies of the people who sign off on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Allah's name meaning muftis okay so the dream interpreter is also it's al-fatwa. it could be right it could be wrong therefore in this one should not confuse others by giving one's own judgments but should prefer the interpretation of the learned ones many interpretation of dreams have been related from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the sahaba and the tabi'een and likewise the the when the quran was revealed it was it, it added to the language of dream interpretation because all the symbolism there's tons of symbolism in the Quran Quran is filled with imagery and that's how it's communicated why is it symbolic so that you know that what is from you versus what is from shaitan versus what is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you would not probably not imagine life probably never imagined the symbols that these dreams will come in so Allah puts the dream from him in code the ulama of sciences of interpreting dreams wrote, if it is necessary for one who interprets dreams to be understanding, pious, cautious, and have knowledge of the Qur'an and the hadith. Okay? You'd never follow someone who is sloppy, who is not cautious, 
who has no knowledge of Quran and Hadith and who tells talks like the future as if he's some kind of uh, charlatan and wizard and whatever these tarot card readers. The way, moment they start talking like that, just ignore them. Okay. And also, uh, uh, this subject has to be kept closed. Very limited and only in, at the individual level because it's very easy to, to get carried away on this subject because the source of it is unseen. Oh, I had this I had that And then the way to prove it, there's so much relativity in dream interpretation. There are no, there are hardly any thawabits, like firm guidelines in this, such that you could say one plus one equals two. There are, um, there are ijmas, you can say, or jumhurs, opinions, even today. If you talk to like six or seven, get to know six or seven, I got to know six or seven, and when they talk about a certain vision, like they all have the same answer because it's clear, it's, that's how clear, that's a, actually a good sign. That it's very clear that everyone gives you the same interpretation. Yeah. I, re- I got m- mostly into this during COVID. I was talking to the Arabs on uh, Messenger. I-, I met a lot of Egyptians, Saudis, Jordanians. Um, just like, just talking really. Because there were no classes. There was nothing going on. And I, would, I wanted to see what they're like. How did they get into this? How did they learn this stuff? Okay. I learned a lot too. No. How did they learn? Oh, passed down through people, yeah. Like how were they, that's how they yeah, they, they learned it from someone. Yeah, they always had teachers. They always had teachers, yeah. Yeah. Very rarely does someone just learn, have a purely a gift. That's rare. They always have teachers. And the best of them at that time was a Saudi youth, but he got stopped. Yeah, many people said he's the best, but he was stopped. Um, because his channel blew up. And believe it or not, they use over there um, that app with the yellow ghost, Snapchat. And then he would upload the snaps onto YouTube. He got so popular that like his workplace, his family, they said, you know, you got to stop. Man. Because the interpretations were so specific and wild almost, right? But he was confirmed by many, many. And then there are some people like, I met a man from Mauritania. He turned out to be a fraud, Right. I'm I'm chit chatting with him, and he start sounded like legitimate interpretations and everything because they always give you a reason. Now here's the thing: a, a true, a sound interpretation when they give you the evidence, it's amazing. It's like that's definitely what it is because they usually give you some symbol from the hadith, from symbol from the Quran, like a symbolic usage or a word that's similar to it, right? But when they give you a true interpretation, it's it blows your mind and you become like confident in it but then after a while the man said let me uh read your future for you i was like who and he said yeah send me a picture of you and send me a picture of your wife and then put your palms up uh, i talked to uh sheikh rami right away i was like this does this there's no way this is right like i know that th- this isn't right but you lived in mauritania he said this man's a fraud right he said there's a lot of charlatans and frauds like that but they mix truth and falsehood. That's the problem. There's another woman. She's Turkish, and she's very popular in Egypt. She's half Lebanese, half Turkish, but she's she lives in Egypt. She's culturally Egyptian. She learned in Morocco, but she mixes astrology and like ancient stuff with Islamic dream interpretation. She did she did all of it. That is the worst mix because a lot of her dream interpretations, 
if you listen to what she's saying, it makes sense. But then every once in a while, there's this astrological thing, right? Or this um, just sort of like un-Islamic. It's, it's not a... Very emotional people. People who want to get married. People who are in love, right? Uh, very emotional people uh, can, can get sucked into this. And it's not to say that people who are in love won't have any true dreams, but... Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Oh yeah, it's 100%. This is like 95%. Yeah. Um Othman, can you tell me the name that you're talking about? Yeah. Great sibling. <laughs> Great sibling. <laughs> I would just go back to sleep. It's not my day. Yeah, she's going back to sleep. And a few days later, some weird stuff started happening to the dad. Yeah. He like flew off the bed or something, like straight out of the laundry. And after that, they called, you know, like someone. Are you in your mic? Bring your mic closer. Yeah. Yeah, and so a few days after they called someone, you know, they had that weed around the house and like they did all that stuff. Like, Man, I don't want to get involved. And all these people coming and moving in Edison here. Yeah. Right? And bringing their gins with them. Man, there's a huge temple on um, on the turnpike now, right before our exit. Driving up to... Oh, it's giant. It's a giant, demonic, red, purple, goblins, gooblins, whatever. Ghouls, right? They're ghouls. And goblins all over the place on this thing. Yeah, actually, I think it was... Holy, right? Is that what the holidays call where they have the, the Hindus that do the paint and stuff? Yeah. My parents were telling me, I was in home, I was out of, uh, you know, uh, New Jersey, but they were telling me that the temple next to our house, a few blocks away, they had such a large fire that it was reaching, like, you could see from wow. far away. It was reaching the sky, basically. Wow. For the celebration. It was, like, all the... Oh, way it was the, on purpose. On the Yeah, on purpose. Yeah. The temple, behind the temple. It was a huge temple. Reaching the sky, this fire. I mean, I don't know why they're rushing. Why they want it in the dunya before the akhirah, right? <laughs> they're, they're preparing themselves for the heat of the of Jahannam. Unbelievable. Subhanallah. In our times, which is close to the qiyamah, a very dangerous and detrimental element has appeared. Every person, however, un learned or irreligious after delivering short inspiring lecture writing an article on the aspect of the deen it starts to imagine themselves to be alama or alam and by donning colored clothing begins to be regarded as a sufi hence people ignorantly begin to follow such a person in the beginning the general public uh, begin following such a person due to misunderstanding okay uh this is because of a general lack of knowledge of what makes a scholar and what doesn't okay and then the person starts believing that they're a scholar and misleads the people, leading to a bad and detrimental ending for everybody. It is for this reason, if one claims to be pious or a scholar or what have you, all right, one group immediately begins to follow that person 
And to Allah is our complaint, and he is the one who grants assistance. This is the statement of Zakaria al-Kandahlawi, writing from Madrasat, Madhahir al-Ulum in Saharanpur. Okay. So we have to say here that um, you always need to be part of a madhab. And that madhab will set you straight. At the, at the very least, that madhab will be filled with people who've actually studied. Okay? The method will be filled with people who actually studied, and they will just set you straight, right? And they'll make sh- they'll make sure that you don't go astray. Okay. Someone here on the chat is telling us that Saudi and Iran are, are making a truce, and, and Netanyahu is blowing a fuse. You don't have to worry. Why is Netanyahu worried about Saudi or Iran? Neither of them, huh? Netanyahu from Israel. Why would he worry about either Saudi nor Iran? They're not going to do anything against Israel. Let's read a little bit from from this. Okay. Yeah, hey, what's happening, man? What you off today? We have a short stream today because we got to go to Malachi Click talking to Soph. So we're going to... Yep. Yeah, he's back. قال ابن عباس قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ما ولدني من سفاح الجاهلية شيء ما ولدني إلا نكاح الإسلام I was not born from any marriage uh, from, from this, any سفاح of جاهلية nor any of the false marriages or the filth of zina of جاهلية I was not born except from the نكاح of Islam, meaning a permanent marriage, which leads us into t- talking today about a little thing that erupts every two minutes or every two years or so, which is muta. At least for me, uh, it comes up on my feed, and I have to re- replenish uh, the feed with the evidences that muta, the hadith at least, that muta was forbidden by the Prophet. It is in Bukhari and Muslim. The Messenger forbade muta. Uh, at Khaybar he then permitted it temporarily during the conquest of Mecca okay because that journey was long and they were away from the homes for a long time then shortly thereafter stood at the haram uh, in, in, front, uh, in the haram and forbade it again this time permanently so clearly not everyone in, in early times of Islam in the time of the Sahab and the Tabi'een the transmission trickled down. Didn't it wasn't like a website where you, everyone could know exactly what happened, right? So the transmission took time. That's why it's understandable that some Sahaba did not know about the second prohibition or even the first one, okay? Such as Ibn Abbas. Sayyidina Ali says to Ibn Abbas, I heard that you are lenient about muta. I'm here to tell you the Prophet forbade it. Okay? And then... Abu Hanifa forbade it, deemed it forbidden. Not forbade it, deemed it forbidden. Now when this time passed, and still some people were still not aware that the Prophet had not just said it's makru or, or forbidden it as a karahiya. He forbade it. Okay, Sayyidina Omar stood on the minbar and reminded everyone that uh, muta is forbidden. Okay. Qawl al-Sahabi, the Sahabi cannot forbid what Allah made halal. 
he can only repeat what the prophet repeated. Okay? So that's how simple it is, and that's why there is ijma' in Ahl Sunnah that is forbidden. Okay? And anything that comes afterwards is nonsense, such as Ibn uh, uh, Ashur, the, a great scholar from Tunisia. He has zalat, big zalat. He was affected by Muhammad Abdu. He is an amazing scholar. But a scholar statement that goes against an ijma' is irrelevant. So he says that Mahdi doesn't exist. Say Isa will not come down. And that muta is, is only permit, is permitted when you're in dire need. Right? Wait a second. How does that make any sense? Like, how is muta permitted in dire need just like khanzir is? That doesn't really make any sense. Right? Huh? Like, a, a what dire need? What level of dire need? When am I going to die if I don't marry? Right? Dire need. When can I eat khanzir? I'm literally going to die. If I don't eat khanzir, I'm going to die. Right? If I have the worst migraine in the world because of lack of food and hydration, that does not permit alcohol. Because I'm not going to die from a migraine. It's just a bad thing that's happening. Okay? It's pain. So that's a haja. I can break my Ramadan fast for a haja. For like a migraine that you're going to head is burst. It's a sickness. You can break your fast for that. But you can't do something haram. You can't eat haram because of that. So you can only eat the haram for death or you're going to actually lose a limb. Like you're going to go blind or, or you're going to lose a limb. Then you could eat something haram. What is he talking about? And I asked my sheikh today, he said, this, this is something that had boggled the minds of everybody because he's a great alim. He has a zalla on this matter, right? And he says it's for darura, it's permissible for darura, right? What darura? When do you ever need to get married as a darura? If you're going to... Com- that the rura that is permitted is to say, sorry to be discussing here, that if a man is about to commit zina, then he masturbates. Like if he's, and what is that? What did they say? He is in the room and literally about to commit zina, not mentally about to commit zina. No, he is literally about to commit zina. Then he should get his shahwa out of himself, go and step into the bathroom, get the shahwa out of yourself. Then you, your mind can think clearly about not committing zina then you lost the desire to commit the sin. So when you are like in the room and the door is closed, right? That's what we call darura. Not you, you, no girl pays attention to you, right? <laughs> and then the, the, I told, uh, what I put out there, I said, listen, why, Yushia, why would you reply to me on muta? We don't agree on the same sources of religion at all. Like there is, you're a waste in your time and my time, Right? And, you know, they go, oh, let's go to the Sunni sources and show you. You're going to go and get a quote, mining a quote from here or there that is irrelevant to us because our four imams have forbidden it. Have forbidden it. Yeah, he's a big, massive, in his time, he was considered the biggest scholar of North yeah, Africa. Yeah. But he has said that. He followed it, Muhammad Abdu, and many things. Um, so... What is the point of trying to argue with us when we have an ijma on the matter? They're going to quote mine something from Abu Hanifa, something. Malik was very clear. He said, it's yufsakh qabla al-bina wa ba'd al-bina. And it doesn't count as a talaq and there's no had punishment for it, right? We're not going to give him a had punishment for it. Um, others said, no, the marriage contract is valid, just the time clause is invalid. And then they discuss what happens if a man in his heart 
intends that I will divorce this woman in two years, this is a completely theoretical question because we don't know what's in people's heart. But if that was the case, he's sinful with Allah, right? But we can't say it's a mutah because he never said it. It's in his heart. How do I know it's in someone's heart? You cannot make law on something that's in someone's heart. So let me ask you in practice then. Why are you guys arguing with me? Go do it then. You guys believe in your religion. It's halal. Go do it. Go make some money and go do it. And I heard, I can't, I can't believe this is true, but Awesome knows what he's talking about. Our friend Awesome, he goes to Michigan all the time for work, right, for business. He says they got, session, they got uh, operations there, and the imams run it. Imams running brothels? That's the, re- the end of result of your religion. Is imams running a brothel? Let me ask, oh, it's not a brothel, it's, it's nikah. Okay, it's nikah. Would you like your kids to go there? Kids hang out there? Because if there's a wedding, my kids hang out. All the Muslim, We don't say, hey, Muslim kids, go. If you're under 13, leave because this is a nikah happening here. No, they sit and they attend the nikah and say, someday that's going to be you, right? They sit and they attend the nikah. Oh, how did they meet? It's wonderful, blah, blah, blah. She looks so beautiful. He looks so great. He must be happy. Go around, pass the sweets around. Okay, so when you got your mut'ah brothels, right? Are kids allowed? Are, do you see nice five-year-old running around, eight-year-old muhajjaba running around, mashallah, beautiful, wholesome occasion over here? And, and the, how about the worker, the imam himself? Does he get something at the end of the shift? Right? You work at a restaurant, you get a meal at the end of the shift, right? Does he get in himself a half hour or something like that at the end? Right? I mean, if you talk, see, this is the truth. Listen, we can't, get you with words we can't talk with arguments you won't accept hadith let's actually look at the fruit let's let's put it on the platter let's put it on the table here does this sound like islam to you does this sound like something good okay could you invite non-muslim neighbors to this event what is a non-muslim neighbor going to say this event please spare me it's a joke huh yeah, <laughs> if he someone needs to bleep it out, so and I'll play it. Well, I'll play it. I loved it. Um, Aisha Mukhtar says she watched a BBC documentary on Muta. It was distressing. Men paid money and were asking for young teens. So tell me, exa- if a non-Muslim saw that, they would say, "Why are you lying to yourself?" Thank you. Just like why? why Thank you. you. Just put the fruit on the table and let's see what your tree has produced. The non-Muslim will say, "Stop playing with words, please. Stop playing with words. It's prostitution." Mut'a in the past, with the Arabs, they considered it lenient. They considered it acceptable because a man would travel, he would have witnesses, they would marry, and she, if she was considered like a hotel owner, but he li- she lived with him as a wife for a period of time, and they considered it. Well, Islam came and said, "Well, no, no more." Okay, but go and 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 bring out your action and put it out for the public to see, and let's see the natural reactions of people. And then you tell me that your imams and turbans are the one monitoring it. So your imams have become pimps, basically. That's the end result of your religion. Right? Maybe we can give them some fur to wear. وَرَوَى هِشَامِ بْنِ مُحَمَّدِ الْكَلْبِ عَنْ أَبِيهِ قَالَ كَتَبْتُ لِلنَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ خَمْسُ 
500 ام فما وجدت فيهن سفاحا ولا شيئا مما كان من امر الجاهليه هشام ابن محمد الكلبي said that his father said i wrote the lineage of the prophet up to 500 women meaning to uh 250 layers because there's going to be moms or not less than that less than that because the mothers will double each time right so uh, amina was one well uh then there is her mother and abdullah's mother so we'll go from one mother to two mothers and then each one of those has more so it's like exponential growth of mothers so he went through the whole lineage and wrote all the women who were involved in the lineage of the prophet sallallahu and he found not one of them was ever uh, pregnant from sifah from zina all of them only ever got pregnant from marriage from valid marriage it's such an important thing وعن علي كرم الله وجهه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال خرجت من نكاح ولم أخرج من سفاح من لدن آدم إلى أن ولدني أبي وأمي ولم يصبني من سفاح أهل الجاهلية شيء From the time of Adam عليه السلام to the Sham ibn Nuh down from Sham ibn Nuh to Sayyidina Is- Ibrahim, to Sayyidina Ismail, to all of the lineage that comes after that. وعن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما أنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لم يلتقي أبوايا قط على سفاح No two parents of mine had ever come together on سفاح. Okay. لم يزل الله ينقلني من أصلاب الطيبة إلى الأرحام الطاهرة مصفى مهذبا لا تتشعب شعبتان إلا كنت في خيرهما. Okay. So my father, my parents never met on zina, sifah. Okay. Allah only caused me to move on from lineage to lineage from the Righteous and pure males to the pure wombs. Okay. Musaffa, purified, muhadhaba, upright. There was no father of the Prophet who had wild manners or crazy manners or ill mannered in any way. Muhadhaba. La tatashaabu shu'batani. There are no, it never branches. Okay. Often two branches, except I'm in the better of the two. So a man and a woman, they'll have multiple sons. The Prophet will be in the best of those sons. A man and a woman will have multiple daughters. The Prophet will be in the best of those daughters. They will have children. They will have multiple children. The Prophet will be the best of them. So on and so forth. It would be interesting math question for Walid to see how many lines up in the lineage would reach 500 women. Aisha. أم المؤمنين رضي الله عنها عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن جبريل عليه السلام. The Prophet narrates from Jibril. قلبت مشارق الأرض مغاربها فلم أرى رجلا أفضل من محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم. Jibril said, I looked, I scanned the earth east and west and I did not find a man more virtuous than the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. ولم أرى بني أبن أفضل من بني هاشم 
I've never seen a sons of a man more noble than the sons of Hashem. Okay, the Beni Hashem were the most noble of people. Okay, where does nobility come from? Having got fancy chairs, having anything like that? No, nobility comes from the from 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 your upbringing, your mar- coming through marriage, being raised. Say some. وفي صحيح البخاري عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنها عن عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعثت في خير قرون بني آدم قرنا فقرنا حتى كنت من القرن الذي كنت منه. Okay. I was sent in the best of generations of the sons of Adam. Generation after generation, I was always in the best. وفي صحيح مسلم عن واثل ابن الأسقع رضي الله عنه قال قال صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله اصطفى كنانا من ولد إسماعيل الله chose كنانا from the sons of إسماعيل واصطفى قريش من كنانا and قريش from كنانا and from قريش he chose بني هاشم and from بني هاشم he chose me وعن العباس رضي الله عنه قال قال صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله خلق الخلق فجعلني في خير فرقتهم وخير الفريقين I was in the best of every two div- every division. Every time there was a division of lineage, Allah put me in the best. Okay? And continued so until I came out. Okay? So when the children of Ibrahim السلام, were born, there were two of them were prophets, Ismail and Ishaq. The best of them was Ismail. And then every time Ismail had sons, the Prophet's lineage was the best of them. For what? No, that's um, uh, what they call, um, it's not atf, it's... Khairuhum uh, uh, nafsan, right? Yeah. It's No, it's from the mafail. Yeah. Is it from the mafail? I believe it's from the mafail. It's from the look up the mafail. Yeah, like um, فَأَنَا خَيْرُهُمْ نَفْسًا. No, this is from the mafail. How is he from, or from what jins, or from what, or how is he from the best? Like جَاءَ زَيْدٌ مَشِيَةٌ or دَفَعْتُ خَمْسِينَ دُولَارًا. Right. All these you find them in the mafail. It's in uh, my uh, my book on Arabic grammar and forty lessons. Of all the creation, the Bani Adam is the best in the sight of Allah, the most virtuous. Of, of the sons of Adam, the Arab are the best, are the most virtuous. Or he, the, he just says he chose them, okay? Then chose me from the Arabs. So I remain to be the best from the best. Whoever loves the Arabs, only by my love loves them. And whoever hates the Arabs, only because he hates me, he hates them. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ لَمْ يُشَارِكُ فِي وِلَادَتِهِ مِنْ أَبَوَيْهِ أَخٌ وَلَا أُخْتٌ لِانْتِهَاءِ صَفْوَتِهِمَا إِلَيْهِ وَقُسُورُ نِسْبَتِهِمَا عَلَيْهِ لِيَكُونَ مُخْتَصًا بِنَسَبٍ جَعَلَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى لِلنِّبُوَّةِ So the Prophet ﷺ, 
did not have any brothers and sisters so that nobody could share this one this this lineage with him nobody shares it with him he has no brothers and sisters of course he has sisters by by uh, wet nursing brothers by wet nursing but that doesn't count as they don't share the same lineage obviously so he has the complete uh, monopoly over this honor if you investigate his forefathers, you find they're all noble. So his description, he is from the Arabs, he's from uh, the Abtah, he is from the Haram al Makki, he's from the Hashim, Bani Hashim, he's from Quraysh. He came from the best of the wombs. In other words, not just the best of men, the best of women. None of those women committed zina and sifah, nor mut'ah. That's the poetry is going on now. And that's where he stops. Next chapter is Kamal Khilqatihi wa Jamal Suratihi. This is a different type of Shama'il type of book compiled by Sayyidina uh, Al Imam Muhammad ibn Alawi al Maliki. And we can now open up for QA. Who here has any QA? Only YouTube today. Yes, shoot. Oh, that's a good one. Al Ikhtiyar wal Istifa. Um, the word istifa it has in it a uh, connotation of a mission uh. yeah and it has um, a connotation that there were truly were no options like ikhtiyar a choice is a more general meaning for make, taking choose, choosing something but it implies there are options and that they're generally similar so I chose this one why? just because I chose it right? I could have chosen something else and it would have fulfilled the job. But my nafs wanted to choose this one. So the ikhtiyar gives the image that they're equals. And I chose one. Okay, for my personal reason. Istifa. Uh, there are no options. This is chosen for a mission. Okay, like Sayyidina Maryam was given istifa. The Prophet was given istifa. It's like there are not likenesses and then one was chosen. He was preordained for this mission. So that's the image that istifa is far greater uh, than ikhtiyar. That's why Mustafa is greater of a name than Mukhtar. Yeah. Right? Uh, all of us can be Mukhtar, right? All of us can be Mukhtar, but not many of us. I, I even heard like from Habib Omar today, he said something like, Yastafain Allah, like for us, yeah. Iman. Mustafa, yes. Yeah. Iman is not something that is given randomly. Yeah. Right? It's given... Iman is something that's given uh, by it's preordained. Let's go with uh, Q&A on YouTube. Mina AJ, my father has to do water sport because of health issues in Ramadan and maybe he will see women in swimming costumes. Uh, will seeing such women and go swimming break his fast? No, the, the, the sins of the eye, whether it's a sin or something that he couldn't help himself from seeing, they don't break the fast. They don't cause a breaking of the fast. 
We're doing a live stream with Madiki Click in only a few minutes. In 27 minutes, to be exact. What should be our main goal for these last few days running up to Ramadan? I personally would fast. Up to, let's say, two days before Ramadan. So that Ramadan can feel fresh again, right? And I would fast, pretty much. So that you go in, hit the ground running. Your body's fully adjusted. Your sleep is adjusted to waking up for suhoor. And all you're adding is tarawih. Prophet ﷺ fasted no month more than he fasted the months of Rajab and Shaban. Are you ever planning to come to Germany? <laughs> Gotta be honest. <laughs> I ne we never planned that, to be honest with you. But there was a brother I met in Umrah. I met a brother in Spain too, from Germany. Yeah, what was his name? Uh, you remember his name? Hassan. Egyptian? Hassan, no, he was Jordanian. Oh. There was, an, there was a, uh, a, a German brother who invited me to come to Germany. To, to Germany. Mashallah. Yeah, he's Egyptian, living in Germany. Good public transport. Yeah. Huh? They have good public transport. Yeah, I'm sure they do. They're, they're paying the price now for listening to uh, the Americans rather than going with Putin and getting yeah. Uh, oil. Uh, yeah. Gas, I mean. If shaitans are locked up in Ramadan, how is a shaitan able to appear in the form of a human on the Battle of Badr? Uh Maybe that locking up hadn't happened yet. That's why. Maybe that locking hadn't happened yet. Because Ramadan had not yet been mashru'ah as a month of fasting at that point. Mm. Shima says, to what extent should someone consider the lineage of another when it comes to marriage? Yeah, I would, I would consider lineage, not so much lineage, but more so I would consider the parents. 100% I would consider the parents. I would want to make sure that the kids, the people who are going to babysit my kids the most, the people who are going to be involved with my family I would want them to at least be good examples okay at least akhlaq the akhlaq should be good right matters of deen they'll learn that, that from me but akhlaq at least and there's a lot of a lot of people they got great character but they don't have good deen so for the for the person you marry you marry them for the deen but at, at the very least their mother and father should have some basic character like basic akhlaq that are acceptable. Like it's, you, you have to live with them. Not, if not physically live with them, but you're living with them in general. They're always coming over, you're always going to them. What are your thoughts about Sheikh Usam al-Azami's book, Islam and the Arab Revolutions, the ulama between democracy and autocracy? I didn't read it, but I could probably tell you what's in it. Right, and unfortunately, I have to say that a lot of times some of us Ahl Sunnah scholars did not come out on the best light with the Arab revolutions. Right, um, I like the position of Habib Omar. He says we are we our dawah is for the ruler and the ruled. We give dawah to both. When they're having a conflict, we don't side with either side. Right, our dawah is to both, and he left the country for four months when the Yemeni spring happened the arab spring happened in yemen he left the country for four months so no one could try to pull him and everyone tries to pull one to one side or another the rulers try to pull him and the people try to pull comments out of him right he stayed out of it right why because uh number one the rulers are oppressors and number two 
the people aren't angels either. They're revolting for bread. They're not revolting for deen, for haq. So what, what do I have to do with your revolution, right? They're revolting for food, for bread, for prices, for things like this. So they, were they revolt? How many times did sacred things get completely um, desanctified, uh, whatever? Sanctified. Desanctified. Nobody bats an eye. So this is not a revolution for al-haq. Let's go out for al-haq and deen al-haq and for... No, this is... You have a quarrel, landlord and tenant, no, dif- uh, no different. That's what it is. So, inside with either one. But unfortunately, I can't say that about all the other Ahl-Sunnah, scholars of Ahl-Sunnah. The Asha'ira and the Mutasawufa and the Ashab al-Arbab al-Madhahib al-Arba'a, I can't say that about them. Oftentimes they went and they sided with the rulers. Umm Maryam says, I have a question that what is best for Talib Ilm of Deen? Oh, by the way, just because someone's a ruler doesn't make them guilty. Right? The king is not the guilty just because he's the king. Right? He could be totally on the right. It could be the right decision to side with the ruler. Okay? But problem is, all of these rulers are not names you want to be listed next to. Not in the dunya or the akhirah. So to have to side with them makes you gonna you're gonna look bad. I said in the other posts, uh, uh, a stream the other day. It is not smart for any scholar to ever side with any political party or political person, because that political party or political person is gonna have to do things. I was just with Sheikh Hassan al-Hajj the other day, and he said certain things Salahuddin Ayyubi did, and he's the great Salahuddin Ayyubi. If he had asked a faqih, he wouldn't have been allowed to do it, right? Every politician has to make judgment calls, has to do things that may or not may not be right. Okay, and if you're the scholar who's pinned his brand next to his name next to that, um, and his policies next to that politician, you're stuck now. You're gonna have to defend him or break your uh, connection. What's better, hand notes or typed up notes? I think during the dars hand notes but afterwards type them up in order logical order that you can read because it's so much easier to 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 type up logical notes in on a computer yeah you can move stuff around huh totally yeah you can move stuff around and all that but during the dust to have your laptop open as a fitna in the sense of uh i don't even have the key to the new keys to the building they're all downstairs by the way no the downstairs is open it's open yeah there are only a fixed number of things that break one's fasts. Looking at wrong desire will reduce reward, but won't break it, someone's saying. The U.S. is trying to permanently establish daylight savings. Yeah, but you know who's stopping it? Our senator. You know why? Because he has to please the redacted community, the Jews. They don't like it. The, the Orthodox and Hasidic Jews, they do not like it. They fast those days, and I don't know what else. They are stopping it because they have to walk in the dark or whatever it is, like one day a week. Or, I don't know. But go read up on it. Look it up, and you'll find that the one stopping the 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 cancel the, the the clock change is or it's New Jersey, our own governor, our, uh, senator. Okay. Now I have a question for you all here. 
When is Iftar going to be in England? Because we we have to do Ramadan timings on this. I think we're just going to stick to one o'clock because one o'clock works for the the British. One o'clock will be. Let's just check the time real quick. One o'clock is gonna be in England. I think five p.m. So the difference between us and England now is what? Four hours now. So one o'clock is five p.m. So five. When's iftar in England? Someone on the chat, tell us when is iftar going to be in England? What time? Seven-ish. So that's three-ish for us, right? So if we go from let's say one thirty to three, Ramadan timings, one thirty to three. We'll end right upon their iftar. And then we could go home and still have plenty of time. Right? So they're saying that uh, UK flags go forward at the end of March. So probably for the first few days of Ramadan. Like first they do this too? I, mean, I, I guess They so. changed time too? I actually didn't know that. Either. So it's going to be five hours again, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the whole world needs to stop changing the clocks, man. It is the most annoying thing in the world. So it's like four... Four or five days that they're going to be, you know, behind, but then they're going to change it on the 26th, some would say. Okay, so we're four hours different between us and England right now. And in a few days, on the 26th of March, they're going to go from GMT to BST. And there's going to be back to five hours. Yeah. And then when will Maghrib be at that point? Eight o'clock or six o'clock? This stuff is as bad as transgenderism. We can't know what the heck is going on. What time is what, right? <laughs> Someone has to confirm. Oh, when would Maghrib be at, uh, after the time, the time changes? Anam, is it 7 o'clock? Will it be 7 o'clock at, in BST time? We're getting 20 different answers. <laughs> we need Ijma'a on this, guys. Chief Latif, his time is not real in the first place. Chief oh Latif is in the Bible, right now. All right, so I basically want to make sure that we don't go into iftar British time. That's all the summary is, right? That's the summary. I don't want to go into, it'll be around 7.30. Iftar will be around 7, 7 p.m., 7.30. So we should end at 7 p.m. BST. So that means we'll go. We'll do our stream from about 1 to 2 then. Isn't that 2 p.m. over here? Yeah. Seven? Yeah, so, so we'll, if we do our stream 1 to 2, 1 to 2.15, 2.30. That's it, shorten our stream, that's it. Ramadan hours. You wanna? Do you think we can move it earlier, or is that like from twelve thirty? No, no, no. So, no. Because Ramadan's a whole thing of the night, and then maximum we're gonna get in here is one. Is I'll making get here twelve thirty, twelve o'clock, twelve thirty, but we won't start the stream up until one. Honestly, I think that makes sense. Like having an hour and a half stream or something. Hour and a half stream. That's I think that's fine. Yeah, it's a good amount of time for Ramadan, especially people are usually busy with other things as well. Yeah. Okay. Good. In our modern age, given the state of the Ummah, should we have more fear of Allah or hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No, for the individual, have hope. But for the Ummah, you should fear for the Ummah. Because we're not going on a good track right here, right now. Bani, Bani Nadir is back in Medina. Bani Quraid is back in Medina reporting. I don't know if you all know what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to go further than that. What should one keep in mind when listening to a scholar of a different fiqh? You know, just keep in mind to separate what they say that is 
of aqida or akhlaq is one thing. When they say a statement of fiqh, just keep in mind that they're from another method. That's all. Are nicotine patches permissible in the month of Ramadan? Uh, do they nourish you? Do they give you energy? If yes, then it's forbidden. If it's releasing something in your system, then it, I believe that would be forbidden. The nourishing element. Is this in the Maliki Mahab only? Or? It's, it's a fatwa. Yeah. Oh, that Who'd you hear that fatwa from? I didn't hear fatwa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a matter of fatwa for sure. Ahnaf say that it relies on the intestines and the brain. Uh, for the fast, so if it enters your brain or your intestine, your intestinal uh, tract, yeah, then that's what breaks your fast. Yeah. So technically, the drip. I've heard some say that it's not doesn't break your fast. The IV drip. Yeah. Oh, Rajib, Rajib. Can you explain Madiki Atikaf? Well, the dominant statement in the Madiki in Madiki method is that Atikaf is the last ten days of Ramadan, and then there are some lesser opinions that state that it could be any day, like just any twenty four hours while fasting. You come in before Maghrib, okay, and then you leave after after Maghrib the next day, minimum. That's one day. And the Sunnah is the last 10 nights, okay. Sophia, you asked a question here about Medina, and that, inshallah, will mean a great guidance, uh, attaining and entering it upon great guidance, like very clear, good guidance, and Allah knows best. Uh, Gula Jedi says, uh, just an added point about the connection between Hadramaut and Somalia. The Zila'i Qadriya goes through Sayyidina Abu Bakr ibn Aydarus al-Adani, who came to Zila for a few years. Big connections between Yemen and East Africa and West India and Indonesia. This is four countries that they're very strong in they did a lot of dawah there why does imam siyuti say that fatima zahra radiallahu did not have hayd she's the most pure, pure woman i didn't hear that no i didn't hear that no i i don't know about that but i do know allah adam i have to look into what she's saying i don't want to say anything without no is it okay to follow along with an english translation of the quran while stranding in tarawih perla the muqtadi cannot hold the mushaf at all the only people who can hold the Mus'haf is the Imam in the Maliki, Shafi'i, and Hanbali Madhab. The, Mus- the Imam cannot hold the Mus'haf even in the Hanafi Madhab at all. In Nafila or anything. And the Maliki Madhab, he may hold a Mus'haf for Al-Fatiha only until he learns it. You know that? Yeah, he can hold a Mus'haf for Fatiha only. I don't know where I just read that. But I read that recently. Only... Why is this not on Instagram? Huh? Yeah, just Instagram was just being annoying today. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> must be a transliteration, I guess. Um, what about Spotify? They're going on Spotify. Ryan and Omar are putting them up on Spotify. We'll get up to the date by Wednesday, probably, right? Okay. Moab, is it okay to follow along? No, we answered that one. The days expand rapidly about two minutes a day. So by the end, iftar will be 8.30, inshallah, 
Yes. Uh, really? 8.30? I guess in England, 8.30. We only get 8.30 in June 21st. That's in, in, in New Jersey. The latest iftar will ever be will be like 8.30. And that's on June 21st. From June... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it does. Their, their, their days go deep, man. Yeah. So for us, the least it'll ever be is 8.30. The earliest will be like 4.45. That's December 21st. It's, for us, we're predictable. Go with December 21st. That's the shortest daytime of the year in New Jersey. June 21st is the longest. So we're marching towards the longer days, right? After June 21st, the fasting gets lighter and lighter and lighter and shorter and shorter and shorter until December 21st. So from month, June is what, month six, right? From month six all the way to month 12. By the way, you're going to the Arab world? That's how they talk about months. Yeah. Month 10, month 2. They don't say June and July, right? February, March, they say month, month 2, month 3. Like the, yeah? Technical. It's technical, yeah. Technical. Yep. I was texting someone, and they said, like, something about, like, a Dora. Fili Yuli. Yuli? Yuli. Yuli. I guess, like, July. Yeah. <laughs> Did the prophet have a nefs? Yes. Uh, nefs is, but he had, he was, nefs was purified. Nefs is yourself, yeah. What's really on dice in the Shafi'i method? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> in the Maliki school, the Prophet ﷺ forbade it as al-karahiyah, makruh, and some have said haram to play games of chance. Why? Because it gets you used to love of chance, the love of, then one day you might gamble. Can you just tell me for my own benefit, Mass Q says, how many gangsters you hang around with in your lifetime minimum? They know some stuff, and you do as well. Tell me one move to use with them. Uh, uh, I don't know if I actually hung out with a real gangster. I like the penitent gangster who became Muslim, right? <laughs> who knows the ways, right? But, and we have a couple of those. We have a couple of those. In the masjid. What is the sign of wilaya khasa? Many, many. Many signs of wilaya khasa. Ijab to dawah on a regular basis is one of those signs. It's more, like it's even more important to talk about what are the signs that get you there. Someone. Oh, what like prevents what, you? What signs can someone have that they can't be a wali? Oh, that's actually really good. Sheikh Murad speaks about What did he say? If your aqidah is fasted, then that is a mana. Now, that doesn't mean that every single of the kibar of the awliya was a mutakallim. No. But none of them were on a fasted aqidah. That is a good one. What else? Commit sins in uh, habit, uh, habitual sins without tawbah. Commit habitual sins without tawbah. Does the phone count as a mushaf? No, it does not. So that means you can hold it without wudu, for example. I see people hold the mushaf all the time in the masjid. Yes, if it's a nafila, no problem. Not the fart. Where do I look in the prayer? I'm switching from shafi to madiki. Either straight or down. But straight is the dominant. Be a supporter. Repeat. No, it's based upon the action of the Prophet. Yeah. Uh, huh? It's based on the Amal. 
Yeah, the amal and the the, the action of the Prophet yeah. If you begin yawning during adhan or salat, do you pause or continue the recitation? Well, you can't actually recite while yawning, can you? But you pause, then you return back so you can give it the respect. Okay. Swift's K. I have a proposal. But the guy doesn't believe in the maulid or spiritual guides and awliya. It's important to me. But he's steadfast and he's great otherwise. What do you advise? What do you mean he doesn't believe in them? He has to believe that there are awliya. He may not believe that you're, what you believe is a wali, is some, is a wali but he must, by sharia, by aqidah, believe that there are something called awliya. He has to believe that. Okay? I can't tell you to to to, uh, to to go off against him or or go with him. I can't tell you that, but I can tell you he must believe in awliya. He does not have to believe in that like your shiuchar awliya or what you believe is a wali. That is not a binding upon him. Secondly, he doesn't believe in the maulid. I wouldn't in the this day and age unless you have a line out the door, sister. I don't know you. You may have a line out the door, right? Some people are like that. There's just, they, 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 many people propose to them. If you have that, you're in a different situation, right? You can be picky. But if you don't have that, then the maulid is not something that should stop you from getting married. That is not really an essential element of choosing a husband. Okay? But again, it's you know best about your situation. Okay. So Sajad Malik says that in England it's going to move so rapidly from 6:30 p.m. iftar, and then the clock is going to change. Oh, in the middle. Yeah, wow. very early on, and then it's going to march from like 7:30 to 8:30, going two minutes a day. So it's a total of one hour. So practically speaking, though, practically 6:30. Is the first day that they break the fast at six thirty. Last day they break the fast at eight thirty, because the clock changes and the clock is moving. And the day is getting longer. Can you please give a talk on Sayyidah Fatima Zahra? Yes. In Wales, it goes all the way to nine forty-five. Maghrib in some days. Wow. Okay. I am told I cannot wipe over my socks during wudu. Cannot walk with holes in them. Cannot wipe over your socks, period. You must use a khuf. Or Shafi Madhab, waterproof socks. Or Hanafi Madhab, waterproof socks, because they have qiyas, right? Omar? And Hanbali Madhab, there are conditions on the sock. Go look at the Hanbali works. There are shuruts on the socks. I was laden from Dr. Hatim al Hajj with Hanbali fiqh books. I'm going to bring him in and start yeah, reading read some. From him on the soccer? I didn't check. Okay. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. Yeah. If a relative leaves Islam, should they be excluded from ghusl, janazah, burial, cuts and rituals of the deceased? You just bury them regularly. Ghusl, you don't have to do a ghusl. You don't have to put misk. You don't definitely don't pray upon them. And you don't bury them in the Muslim graveyard. You just bury them in a normal way that people are buried. Can we say subhanallah bihamdi 100 times as istighfar before starting dhikr? But you should say some istighfar. You should say some istighfar. There's got to be some istighfar. What is a sign of the hard heart? 
the unwillingness, the inability, literal inability to move and pick up the Quran and recite from it. Like some, it's like, like literally physically you're unable to do it. Every time you do it, you feel heavy, you get distracted. And the day will hold pass without you picking up the book of Allah. Or hatred towards the Muslims. Like you despise, you go into the masjid and say, look at these people, man. They're this, that. And you find every way to make it negative. Right? Every way that they're bad and you're good. And you're a victim. And they're actually the bad guys. And they're holier than thou. And they're this, that, and the other. And every excuse to hate the ummah. And to hate the Muslims. That's another sign of a hard heart. Hardness, inability to respect the Prophet, or lack of willingness to respect the Sayyid Al-Kawnayn, you have a hard heart. Okay. Uh, honestly, that Imam uh, Osama, remember when we went to Connecticut and he gave the, the talk on the hard heart? Yeah. That was a wonderful talk. Yeah. I mean, I was the invited guest, but he gave the better talk. Yeah. He was no, like the local Imam, right? <laughs> It was a very good talk. Like, what is the disease of this hard heart? What can we do to... What is the cure to this? The cure to it is everything that it's resistant to. So the cure to the hard heart is... Uh, there. There's something feeding it, its hardness. Music, probably, in our day and age. Right? I've never seen anyone readily listening to music then readily pick up the Quran. Something is going to go. It has to be. It must be that way. Okay? So, the cure of the hard heart is mujahada. Now you've created a crust and you have to fight through that crust. Make wudu, go to masajid, recite the Quran, and you have to fight through that crust. You created a crust of sins. You've got to fight through it now. So you soften it up again, okay? You soften it up with much remembrance and staying away from music, okay? Make sure you all join us for a live stream about tasawwuf after this, okay? What are some signs to gain our maqam, gauge our maqam with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Your maqam with his words. Your maqam with asking for his bounty. That's your speech to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your maqam with the Muslims, your maqam with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, your maqam with his home. The houses of Allah are the masajid. The houses of Allah. I mean, if you love to be there and it's like home to you, that's a great sign. And this person is asking about. I feel blockage, spiritual blockage. Everything we've just said is about that. Make yourself do mujahada. What is mujahada? It's because you have a crust there. So you have to fight and struggle to make wudu, go to the house of Allah, sit down, recite the book of Allah. Okay. How can I make long, longer sujood? Can I do dhikr? You can do dhikr and dua. Learning adab uh, says that the talk with Imam Osman is there on YouTube. Very good. Huh? Usman, yeah. Oh, I said Usama, yeah, it was Usman. Are the families and lineages of the awliya are blessed? They have the wudu of that, of that, uh, uh, sorry, the dua of that wali. It's up to them to take advantage of it. They have to put themselves in a position to receive that barakah. All right, we got to shift now. It's now 3.30. It's time to move on to Madiki Click's channel. 
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواسوا بالحق وتواسوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله Jesus.